Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Episode 9, Game, Set, Match, Part 3. Do you mind if we go back to Episode 8 for a flash? I I don't mean to muddy the waters. Trust me, I'm all jazzed up for Episode 9. And don't worry, don't worry, I got the goodies today. You got the right guy on the right day. But first, I can't shake this. I was up last night raking it over. Remember I talked about the importance of being there, of Enjoy where you are, because you'll never be there again. It's nice, but come on, sounds a little kumbaya froyo. I gave a few examples, including billionaire author J.K. Rowling and how she'll never be able to go back to enjoy that moment of being the unpublished, scrappy writer, living on welfare, all blue sky. And I thought, part of me was thinking, please, She doesn't want to go back to that. She's a billionaire. She's got it all. She's made it. Who wants to go back to reheating the mac and cheese and hot dogs? She's already the wealthiest author. No rat race, the fame, the yacht, the millions of likes and followers on social, all the planets and asteroids orbiting around her sun. She's the most financially successful and respected, highest achieving author. And what happens? What happens? Even her. Ah, the wanting guest waltzes by her house. Hi there, I want this. Do you know that guest? Mine's a regular house guest. Comes by all the time, actually. Want, want, want. More, 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 more. Get this. J.K. Rowling wants to go back to the scrappy days so bad, she creates a pseudonym, Robert Galbraith. And she writes and publishes this book called The Cuckoo's Calling. She does it years after all the success and money after Harry Potter. Right? She's pretending and posing as an unpublished, unknown debut author. You see it. She's trying to reenact that magical energy. Trying to experience the experience. Interesting. Me, I, I keep falling for this. All the time. Ooh, see, the shiny money, the likes, the copies, ooh, the downloads. That house that looks like a castle on Pinterest. The experiences and the trips that everyone splashes across their Facebook. What the heck? Come on. You know, I'm not living in a motorhome wandering across the country for an entire year like them. What's wrong with me? I should be doing that. That should be me. Now remember, Jones, be careful. Of the fool's gold. Remember that from the rainbow episode. I need to re-listen to it. The real gold is being in the moment. Don't believe me? How could the most successful celebrated author want something different? Indeed, want the direct opposite of what she has. Listen to J.K. Rowling in her own words after her pseudonym plot was discovered. I had hoped to keep this secret a little longer, Rowling said in a statement. 
Being Robert Galbraith has been such a liberating experience. It has been wonderful to publish without any hype or expectation and pure pleasure to get feedback under a different name. Pure pleasure? A scrappy, unknown, debut author pseudonym? Interesting. See, we can't just jump to the conclusion that what we want is going to be so much better than where we are. She's trying to backstep to it. It's taken me a long time to accept this, but there's no place better than where I am right now. Everything else is an invisible illusion. Have you ever achieved or arrived somewhere, something you thought you wanted so bad and realized after a few months it wasn't all it's cracked up to be and started rowing the boat backwards? If we just stay in our lane, experiencing and observing whatever comes through our big house, then may we always be content, right? Then we can say, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. You remember, whether it's tossing waves, stormy, or boring, flat, and slow. Because why? Because I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming with a special news report. This just in. A few weeks ago, Dominique Thiem beats Alexander Zevrev in the U.S. Open Men's T- Tennis Championship. Ah, okay. Thank you for tuning in. And now, welcome to Episode 9, titled Game, Set, Match, Part 3. Part 3. I know. I know. I get it. Right now, you're thinking, What? Game set match, like my phone is glitching. I already downloaded those episodes. That was so like last month when we wrapped up part two of game set match. The order's all screwed up. That's because this baby was unexpected. A bonus surprise episode hot out of the oven. This was not in the plans. I had something else planned for us to share on number nine, but everything got rearranged when history happened. Arr, Captain, we have us a comeback siding off the port side. Ooh, a comeback siding. We must share these comebacks when they come into the scope. So let's talk about this guy named Dominic Teams and his tennis comeback. Now, if you go back and listen to the other two parts that go with this episode, and I talk about the importance of winning the first set, how your percentage skyrockets, when you can get the early lead, when you win the first set. Well, the next episode was about losing the first set and then coming back, always giving yourself a comeback chance. Well, I didn't mention an episode about, about hey, what happens when you come back from two sets down, when you have to win the best of five. That would mean you have to win three sets in a row. That's so rare in tennis. In fact, the U.S. Open tennis championship which takes place every september it's in the it's the highest paying tennis tournament the last big tournament of the tennis season and it's been 71 years since a guy has come back in the finals down by two sets to come back and win it it's that rare now neither of these two players had won a championship grand slam before so dominic team he's not some, you know, been there, done that guy. Not, oh, no problem, I've done this before. 
Not like, look at all my hours of experience. Sure, he had been to three other finals, but he lost every time. I imagine how the self-doubt weighed on him. He didn't have championship trophies lined up beautifully across his fire mantle. He's down two sets. It would be so easy to lose heart. The self-talk. Oops, uh, looks like I'm going to lose another final again. And due to COVID, they were in America's biggest city, the Big Apple, in the largest tennis stadium in the world. But because of COVID, it was largely an empty stadium. He was by himself, a few folks there, a coach, a trainer, some TV announcers. Which made me think, just because you are alone doesn't mean you are in the wrong place. Are you alone up at midnight working on a podcast, talking to invisible friends, and no one can see you? And I have self-doubt visiting my house, and I wonder if what I'm doing matters if it'll make a difference, if I should just go to bed. What about you? Are you up late, maybe in a dark house, hashing it out with your partner? Yep, great, another fight with this grisly, frustrating tension. No one sees your struggle. You're trying to come back, trying to put a championship together. Or maybe you are up late at night, sad, alone, wishing you had a partner to fight with, or... Ah, you know, maybe you're in a season of loneliness right now, looking for that someone special, looking for a tribe. It's an empty stadium. And there you are, working on your business. It's midnight, and the PPP loans were good, but that's running out. And now you're sweating payroll for your employees, so you don't have to let someone go. And you're trying to figure out how to keep it all afloat. No one sees you burning the candle. Maybe... Maybe no one sees your midnight covert operation when you sneak around the kitchen corner in an eating binge, darting into the shadows to ransack the freezer or the pantry or both. And no one sees your struggle, sees your effort. Or you're on a run or a bike striving for some fitness, wrestling a fitness goal, and you're alone working out at the gym. Or you're working on phase one of phase 100 of a project and you have investors who are counting on your business plan, your execution. Or you're up late taking care of sick kids with no family nearby and you're tired. And the racket feels more like you're swinging an anvil. You feel down, not one set, but two. And the stadium is empty. And there's no one there to cheer you on. You're hustling for a comeback, hustling for a win. There's a lot on the line for you. And yes, finally, finally you hit a driving winner, rainbow ball down the line to win a point. And no one's there to roar and lift you. Now, <laughs> all right, maybe you can tell I was working on this episode when I was up in the wee hours. It's by me, it's for me. And so I must push. I just, I can't, I can't let myself down anymore. Mm. Remember in our episode one, our very first one together? Remember that lesson from the sun, the solidarity example of the sun. Maybe we are inside at noon and it's noon and the sun is blistering its light 
but we close the shades. Like, instead, we're like, hmm, what's on Netflix? The sunlight isn't appreciated. And sometimes, yeah, we go out and play soccer and we bask and we celebrate the sunlight. And then, right, <laughs> you know, sometimes we're, oh man, it's too sunny or it's too hot. Poor sun, never gets it right. It's too sunny, it's too cloudy, it's too rainy, it's not hot enough. The days are too short. We want to play more outside. No, 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 wait. The days are too long because now the baby won't fall asleep with the extra sunlight. What does the sun do in all this wave of circumstance? Oh, this little heart of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's just steady, consistent. It's the lone star in our solar system, alone. The majority of solar systems have more than one star, but not ours. It's alone. Empty stadium. No one to cheer it on. No one like, yeah, keep shining. Yeah, woo, woo. Uh, the ways of circumstance are fickle and ever-changing. So we must be steady. And just because you are alone right now, and Jones, I'm talking to you, doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Be steady. In 71 years, no one has ever come back to win, being down two sets in a final. And, and so here's Dominique Team. He's alone in this empty, sterile COVID stadium trying to climb out of a deep hole. <laughs> Sometimes we have to go alone to get where we want to go. See, now Dominique, he's alone, but in a good way because he won. And now in 71 years, he's the only person all alone to come back and win from zero to that's sweet beans that's special and we can do it one point at a time think about jesus the story goes that he was feeling the pressure of his mission the pressure of following what he believed was right in his heart starting to feel like it's the bottom of the ninth inning and then the bases are loaded and it's tied up and it's getting pretty chippy out there so what does he do he goes seeking some increased connection and peace goes to the garden of Gethsemane. He prays, he aches, he weeps, he's treading the pain. So he asks his disciples, hey, be with me, man, cheer for me, lift me with encouragements. Can't you see it's the bottom of the ninth and I need you? He doubles down, pleading in prayer and looks around and sees what? Yeah, empty stadium. The handful of onlookers had fallen asleep. His disciples fell asleep and it's just him. It's pretty quiet. Just because we are alone, that doesn't mean we're in the wrong place. Those times when we call in some backup and it still feels lonely doesn't mean that our mission, our calling, our project, our dilemma, our dream, it doesn't mean it's unimportant. We have the strength to get through those times. And backup is coming, right? We're strong enough to go alone when we need to. In the case of Jesus, when it was a full count, the story goes what, right? Peter, Cephas, the rock, he wakes up. The guards are coming to arrest Jesus, and Peter steps in. Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. Sorry, I slept in. And, and, and he's sprinting wildly on the tennis court, grabs his sword, and cuts off the guard's ear, as the story goes. And sometimes those around us, even the ones cheering for us, are just human they get busy with their lives and 
even our biggest fans, they get distracted with the guests that are coming through their house. Maybe they get worried about saying the wrong thing, so they don't say anything, or they fall asleep, or in their effort to help, they do harm, make it worse, like Peter <laughs> cutting off the guard's ear. I mean, the Bible doesn't mention, but I always like to wonder what it must have meant for Jesus to have a fan jump his seat and storm the court with such fervor. Even though I can, I can see Jesus grinning like, oh man, Peter, Peter, really? I mean, like we, we can't cut the guy's ear off. So he heals the guard's ear. Now, regardless, what it must have meant for Jesus to have someone take his back like that, you know? Got me thinking, who, who are the people out there? who have our back in, in your company or maybe in your church or your family or your friend circle or your tribe. Or, you know, that they have our back or, or flip it. When can we storm the court for someone we care about? You know, hey, I'm coming for you. You know, side note, before Jesus even started his ministry, he did what? He fasted and he wandered in the wilderness alone had some temptations in an empty stadium. What about Siddhartha Gautama, his journey to how he created Buddhism, like we talked about in the earlier episodes? Remember how he sought out the conflict and left the palace, gave away the Tesla, asked for the beggar sign, and then he went into the wilderness. The text says that he meditated under the ficus tree, the, the Bodhi tree, for 49 days. There he prayed and meditated to find higher truths. He was by himself, alone, you know, down zero two, the empty stadium. Oh, man, he's like, did I really just give up the palatial lifestyle for this? Sure, later, a shrine was actually erected under that great tree to honor his journey of enlightenment. And sure, later he had tons of followers, fans as a direct, uh, as an indirect byproduct of his journey but, uh, to get to enlightenment. To get there, though, he needed to go to the wilderness alone. In that solitude, his truth path, his invisible world that became visible in the five sensory world. Do you have a wilderness? Have you taken the journey? Or maybe you just got back, right? You know how I like a good nugget from the poet Rumi. He said, Remind yourself, when you are alone, that God, however you define that, has sent everyone else away, so it's only you and God. It sort of sounds like Walden too, huh? Right? Like the sojourn of Henry Thoreau, wading around Walden Pond for two years in nature. Do you have a Walden you can go to? I have one. I was searching for a long time. It's, trust me, not like I'm enlightened or anything. Please, I'm far, far from it. I'm enlightened enough, I suppose, to realize how far away I am. Right? I mean, I didn't even know I was searching for it, but when I found my, kind of my Walden pond a few years ago, I knew I had been hungry for ages, yearning. It's... It's in my invisible world, so I can go there anytime. And I especially go there when I'm scared or confused 
or weary or nervous, or sometimes I'm tired and I'm down two sets. I can only go there alone, but it's safe there. I listen to nature there, to the water, to nothing. I heal there. I bet Dominic team didn't have it all figured out for his comeback, for his comeback, right? He's, you know, how am I going to win the next three sets, right? Come on, that's a lot of pressure. I, I may win, I may lose, but I'm going all in on this one point. Maybe you don't have a perfect plan for the next phase of your career, of your surgery or uh, a health issue that you're fighting or a treatment plan or or you have a sick child or maybe you still have to win three sets in a row. Okay, okay. General Patton, give us a cameo. A good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect one executed tomorrow. Yes, yes, it's so nice to have a roaring crowd, and that can happen, sure. Come, watch me play, you know, cheer for me. But they aren't the ones who count. You are. Let's get into this idea. And that's what I want you to know as you're sitting here, and you're working on your podcast in the wee hours with just an occasional visit from my cat, you know. Jones, you be your biggest fan. Not your biggest critic. All right, hey, hey, listen to this. Ready? It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. You know, let's, again, there's, there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But he who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fell, at least fells while daring greatly. So that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Yeah, yeah, you probably already know that was Theodore Roosevelt, President of the United States. And like me, you probably already heard that quote a few times. But, but will you go deeper with me? Might we find a higher truth? Yes, you're right. He was the 26th President of the United States. What else? He was also the one that championed the national parks, created the Forest Service. We take that for granted now. Like, duh, totally, of course, we should have national parks. But not back in 1904. We still had some major land grabbing going on. It was big time for natural resources, mining, water rights, lumber, big time ranchers and wealthy real estate holders. It was a big deal. To put it in perspective, how much land do you think he zoned off anyway? 
Just guess. I haven't had you guess yet in this episode, and that's always fun. So just guess. How much land did he zone off to protect for national parks and public use? Okay. Well, I underguessed too. It was five times the amount of land as all previous 25 presidents combined. Very controversial. No one had done that before. He's in one of those uh, down two sets all alone scenarios. What else about Theodore? Well, I also know that he wore glasses. He's the guy on Mount Rushmore. He has the glasses. But I was curious. I wanted to know more about a man who delivered a speech like that. That quote about being the man in the arena. About daring greatly. Hmm. There's the big move again he did on Zone Off the National Parks. But did you also know his mother and his wife died on the same day? I mean, that's definitely down two sets. And then, and then get this, in 1900, after he served valiantly in the U.S. military, he pivots into political office and is nominated as the ceremonial VP. So he's the VP to President William McKinley. What happened to McKinley? The very next year, he was assassinated and died. I mean, Theodore, he wasn't even supposed to be president. He, he was the backup guy. He was the default And to this day, he's still the youngest president ever at the age of 42. Did you ever wonder why we call the White House the White House? I mean, for more than a century, it was actually called, uh, it was first called the Presidential Palace and then later the Executive Mansion. Theodore, he comes in, man of the people, a cowboy, man of the land. Uh, Yeah, this is the, the, the White House. You know, makes it official in 1902 after a, only a year in office renaming one of the most significant symbols of our country, Daring Greatly. Teddy. Why do we even call him Teddy? Well, right around that time, he refused to shoot a bear cub, and a toy maker caught the story, created some stuffed animals, and the teddy bear craze swept the nation. Did you know that Teddy Roosevelt was shot? Well, we'll get to that. He lived. But... So, so this is the man. This is the man who talks about being alone in the arena. Empty stadium. He wasn't even supposed to be playing. He was in the stands. He's one of the few in the stands. He, he's the backup option. McKinley was the number one, but goes down. Teddy, you're in. Never won a tennis Grand Slam championship before. Down 0-2. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Finds a way. Hitches on to a, a worthy cause. You know what fascinates me about Teddy? And this is looking like a pattern. Guess what he did 16 years before he took office, when his young wife and mother died the same day? It's reported he spent the next two years mostly alone, in the wilderness, on his ranch, hunting, herding cattle, working the land, being in nature in the Dakota Territory. Interesting. No wonder he was able to dare greatly. Not even supposed to be on the court swinging the racket, McKinley was. But once called in, he wasn't just going to take up space in the Oval Office, not just exist, but live, makes such bold moves, the record land protection. He was also the first president to travel outside the U.S. while actively serving, living, not just existing. He was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize for helping divert the Russo-Japanese War. 
Remember in that last episode, we talked about the advantages of inexperience, of the 100-hour superpower early in his first term. No real experience. He invites Booker T. Washington to dine with him at the White House. He's like, I don't have 10,000 hours of tradition, of experience, of limiting beliefs. All right, so he was the first president to invite and host a black man in the White House. A big deal back then. Teddy, he, he died at the age of 60, only 60. And look at what he accomplished. Reminds me of the last episode when Seneca visited us. Remember what he said. It's not that we have a short space of time, but that we waste much of it. Life is long enough if we use it. Yeah, I'm we mm, We got to let our star power shine. Whatever lights we have, just just let it shine while we're here. Don't hold back. Be who you are. No experience necessary. Our hours don't determine our greatness. The greatness is already on tap in ourselves. We can reach deeper inside, be vulnerable to letting our invisible world out to the five sensory visible world. It would be weird if I didn't refer to a song. I don't want to end that streak. So how about on this episode, how about I mention the song from The Greatest Showman, I Am Who I'm Meant to Be, This Is Me. Look out, cause here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies. This is me. This is me. Be proud of who you are. Share it freely. That speech that Teddy gave, that famous man in the arena speech, to mark it up with a timeline, that was after he was president. After he played a lot of tennis in the empty arena. He was a former president giving that speech in Paris. Still fighting the good fight. After leaving office in 1909, he went on African safaris back to the wilderness. And then in 1912, he decides to get back into politics. He's campaigning and he gets shot. Shot like with a gun shot. I didn't know that. So this guy, Teddy, he knows what it means to be in the arena. He recovered from the shooting, and his response, his response was, No man has had a happier life than I have led. A happier life in every way. Well, that's quite a remark after being shot. And of his presidency, Teddy said, I don't think any president ever enjoyed himself more than I did. Moreover, I don't think any ex-president ever enjoyed himself more. Success, the real success, does not depend upon the position you hold, but upon how you carry yourself in that position. Dare we say he experienced the experiences doesn't matter if you don't have the position you want. doesn't matter if your business card says first-time podcaster, first-time parent, first one in the family to break the addiction, to go to college, or maybe the business card reads 
inexperienced politician who wasn't even voted into the office. The other guy died. Now you're the second choice. You're up. Doesn't matter if, you know, you weren't expecting the child. Doesn't matter if you've never done a podcast before, never built a company before, want to change careers, or maybe your business card says junior assistant to junior assistant's assistant to the assistant. Doesn't matter if you didn't get the property of your dreams, if someone else paid more for the acquisition you wanted and you missed out, or you didn't get to hire that new key employee you wanted. It doesn't matter if you don't even have a business card. You be you. No experience necessary. What matters is how you carry yourself. Mm. So that quote from earlier, the speech is called The Citizens in a Republic. That's where we find the man in the arena bit. It's part of a 35-page speech that Roosevelt gave. If one of you knows, ping me and let me know. But I, I don't know if he himself actually wrote it or if it was a speechwriter. Imagine a speechwriter getting no credit for it. Talk about an empty stadium. He's in the shadows, or she, in the shadows, passing the speech to Teddy. He's the one who delivers it, never gets any credit for it. Being the man in the arena, no one knows. All right. All right, let's call the match and finish this up today. Dare greatly. Me, I want to look back on my life, which is probably easiest to do one day at a time. End of today. Just do it one rainbow day at a time. Jones, be able to say, be able to feel no man has had a happier life or day or enjoyed themselves more. I'm not there yet, right? but I'm swinging for it, baby. I want to be able to say that before I punch my ticket out each night, before I punch my ticket the last time out of here, right? I want to be able to say that. And it wasn't how Teddy avoided conflict. Right? That's not why he's on the face of Mount Rushmore, because he's an expert guy at avoiding uncomfortable situations. Many were upset he hosted a black educator in the White House. That was a big deal back then. Upset that he zoned off millions of acres of land that people wanted to use to get wealthy, to use their you know, natural resources. That was a big deal. He was shot. The weight of the presidency. He met the conflicts. He still met the conflicts. He sought them out like we discuss in episodes two and three. Empty stadium. Never won a championship before. Down. Zero two. Right, Dominic? Uh, why not now? Why not march on to your music? Sw just swinging away with Rumi on your racket strings. Where there is ruin, there is hope for a treasure. Hmm. Where it looks like not one but two sets down and no one's come back like that. And hey, then in that ruin, there's hope for a treasure. This is my setup, not a setback. Alone, you go on to be the only person in 71 years to make a historic comeback. You're alone. It doesn't matter because you 
you're the one in the arena, so dare greatly. Keep taking more chances on yourself, whatever you are building today, because the world needs who you were meant to be.